This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Known and Never podcast. I'm Jamie Smith. Joining me this week are Natalie, Kevin, and James. Although maybe our best panelists will get substituted halfway through the podcast for no apparent reason. Let's wait and see. No, <laughs> but, I, I, I plan on sticking around, Jamie. Wait, I couldn't decide which one of you to pick out, so I, I bottled it. And... It beat me to it. Then I was desperately trying to get my unmute button to say <laughs> it's okay. I'm here. I'm here. Thank God for the mute button. <laughs> Burnley beaten two 0 at home by Spurs. On Saturday at Turf Moor, the return to Turf Moor after what feels like years of away games on the bounce, an unhappy return in the end. Burnley slipped to 15th in the Premier League table as a result of the defeat, five points clear. The relegation zone because of results elsewhere. Natalie, we'll start with you. A weird one, really, because Burnley matched Spurs for probably an hour before their dominance and extra quality just really told in the end. Yeah, it did. I think it, we it was precisely about fifty six, fifty seven minutes that we played very, very well. I was, um, what, I was what really, happened really... at fifty seven minutes? Or I don't know. Maybe we'll come on to that. We'll see. Um, I was genuinely impressed with the first half performance. I thought we played really well. I thought we um, frustrated them. I thought we handled their style very well. And I actually at half time felt very positive and, and actually felt like we could get something out of the game. So um, in that sense, I, you know, I take a huge amount of positives from that because I think we, we had a really, really good um, first half. Second half, not so good. And precisely a particularly significant turning point to the game where something may have happened that uh, threw us off the rails significant, which I'm sure you'll come on to. It'll be very subtle. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're waiting for you for the yeah, big reveal, Jamie. Yeah. Game of two say, halves. Jamie, uh, I, I really hope there's somebody listening to this podcast who doesn't know what's happened in the match <laughs> and he's just getting all these really obscure references. It's really um, James, the first half Burnley were... Arguably the better team. Spurs had problems with having to make two substitutions through to injury just before the break, but I felt like we were in control of it for large periods. They had that very good chance that Deli Ali should have scored, but nil nil didn't flatter us at half time. And after the interval, it was much the same. Burnley was certainly in the game and matching Spurs. So let's remember they're the second best team in the league. I thought we looked really strong in the first half, but. Um, the centre of midfield was a bit of an issue even in the first half, but I thought for the most part, you know, the rest of the players were, were making up for those those few mistakes. 
And I thought, you know, we're causing Tottenham trouble, even though we, we didn't really get any clear-cut chances. Um, we definitely weren't making them look comfortable. Um, and I think I saw a tweet from one of their fans actually at half-time saying, you know, uh, two players gone off injured and Burnley looked like they were really pressing on in that half, you know, could be in trouble second half. Um, and then second half, I thought the first 12 minutes were more the same and then something strange happened, didn't it? And we just seemed to fall <laughs> apart. I wonder what happened after 57 minutes. Well, I think we've danced around it long enough, so... Uh... Kevin, let's get right onto it now. The turning point, um, I think from all our perspective, the substitution of Andre Gray early in the second half, it seems like on the podcast we're constantly ta- asking Gray to make, asking Dash, sorry, asking Dash to make early proactive changes before the game's lost, before we're behind. But this time he made the early change and we're all furious. It was, it was ludicrous. It's, I, I, I'm trying to think of a worse decision that Sean Dyche has made at Burnley, and I'm really struggling. There's probably, there's probably some, some up there, um, but it's, it's definitely going to be up there. releasing Marvin Sordell? That, yeah, that's it, that's it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, going to be, it's probably going to go up there as one of the worst decisions he's made at Burnley, probably in his managerial career. Um, Gray was the only player in the team that was offering us any kind of forward movement even um, after we went off we had this, this is a Premier League team that spent a lot of money this season and our forward four um, was Scott Arfield George Boyd Sam Vokes and um, Ashley Barnes four players who are not up to it um, at Premier League level um, so that was really frustrating um, but I think rather than as well as just losing our attacking um, threat taking Gray off actually Directly, I, I believe, contributed to to, the, to conceding those goals and ultimately conceding the game. That we had no shape whatsoever. We had no way of keeping the ball. We had no way of getting the ball forward. There was we we essentially the pitch ended uh, at the halfway line for us, and it was just perfect for Spurs to come in and, and take advantage. And although the first goal was a bit of a mistake from Jeff Hendrick. Um, it, it was coming. Whatever happened, uh, they were going to come and score as soon as, as soon as Gray went off. Um, that was essentially the game one. I think I, I went for. Sp- I think for Spurs. So it was it was massively disappointing. I don't. I'm really struggling to see any logic behind it whatsoever. Sean Dyche has said that he wanted to make us more robust for the last half hour of the game, which he, we we needed. To be, I think we were too robust. We needed to be the opposite. We were very robust. We were quite solid. We weren't creating much going forward, but we weren't giving Spurs many opportunities either. That that was you know if we're going for a nil nil we sound well Dash essentially admitted he was going for a nil nil with that statement. If you're going for a nil nil, then that's what you want. You you know we're we're not creating much up top, but we're very solid at the back. What we needed to do if we were trying to change anything is add more creativity and be the opposite of robust essentially. And you need to bring on the likes of Defoe and, and Brady. So it's a, it's bizarre because yeah he, he he's he's going about saying we want to make a change and the reason he's made that has made the, the opposite of what he wanted to achieve um, so yeah it's a really 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 bizarre one from Sean Dyche and um, I'm feeling quite like quite a few people properly annoyed at that decision. It's it's a strange one this I've got to say because I think for, for all the people who've disagreed with Dyche's decisions before I think this is the first time where people, not just you Kev people are outright saying Dash's decisions bring Gray off directly cost us the game. And in four and a half years at the club, I don't remember anyone saying that about Dash before. Now, I don't know if if he just 
in his head it made sense and he just got it wrong or like it almost seemed like he had the yips today like just picking the same team it was so predictable and dicey even though everyone wanted to see Brady back in and then to take Gray off I mean a lot of people a lot of people Natalie were willing to wait after the game to see if there was an injury to Gray give Dash the benefit of the doubt because of all the goodwill he's built up with the two promotions and everyone loves him but then he comes out and says that it, it was a tactical decision. Gray was obviously furious. <laughs> um, it, it's just difficult to get your head around what he was thinking. You, you put a team out with Volks, Barnes, Boyd Narfield as a front four. You're not going to score a goal. How are you going no, to score really a not. goal? Exactly. I mean, it's a, it is a really tough one. And, and it, it doesn't sit very comfortably with, with us as fans to criticise Deitch and to actually be genuinely outraged by something like this. But that's not to say that you shouldn't question his decisions. And at the end of the day, fans are passionate and fans really it fans really feel pressure and they feel results when they're not going our way. And we've not had a win since January. And Deitch seems to be very inflexible at the moment in changing that. And, you know, he comes out with the right comments and he does not make excuses as such. He does um, talk around his rationale and what he's doing. And you can't argue about the fact that we're not in the relegation zone at the moment. There are three teams down there that would happily swap positions with where we are right now. Even if our um, lead away from the bottom three has been cut down to five points, they would snap our hands off to swap with that. So even though he's explaining his rationale, I still think today's... um, just, Just the way that we fell apart when he did it has genuinely made people rightly question it no matter how uncomfortable that makes us feel as fans now to his credit he has come out and said in his interview that that's what he's that's what his reasoning was and that's what he wanted to do and it didn't work it's like well we all knew that um but it's just exactly what you say he seems to have lost his swagger a little bit he seems to have lost that confidence that he had at the beginning of the season and is is a is Almost, he's never been. He's never really been fearless. He's always been more cautious than he should be in this league. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's been a little braver. He, yeah, but if I agree with you, like I wonder whether the Sunderland game, the Sunderland game as well, it felt too nervous for me. He felt like he was. Um, just he was he played too cautious away because he felt like it was a game that he couldn't get beat um in and it wasn't necessarily a must win but it just it was a must not lose and that seemed to have spilled on to to, to me today as well we never do well after an international break ever um but today just felt it just felt off. It just felt like it was off. And it, it just feels like we're going to be in exactly the same place on Tuesday as well. It, it does really worry me, I've got to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to the Stoke game later in the podcast. We're recording this on Saturday night to get it out before the the Stoke game. Um, James, I just wonder as well, if, if, if you're a Burnley player and you see Andre Gray going off, you know that Andre Gray's the goal threat. Surely you, you then feel, well, we're just going for nil-nil. And that affects the way you play for the rest of the game. Yeah, no, I can't imagine how I'd feel if you you saw your most promising forward threat go off. Um, and it, it wasn't just that, was it? It was then when he brings Brady on, he puts him on the right, where he's got. Oh, don't get me he's, started. He's, he's got a he's got a similar left uh, right foot to I've got a left foot, i.e., none is for standing on, uh, and. You've then got your two lads who, you know, I think Volks maybe has a little bit more batting than Barnes does. You know, Barnes has scored some good goals for us, but 
I mean, in the most part, they tend to be the, the scrappier sort of, you know, tap-ins. Um, but both of them are probably stronger in the air, you'd say, than with their feet. So you're thinking, oh, maybe he'll bring on Brady and we're looking to get balls into the box and, you know, get a goal that way. But then he puts Brady on the side where he can't cross for Toffee. So, you know, what what were we going for? I don't. I really don't understand what the tactic was there. And you know, you, you saw the way Gray was playing. I think he, he looked strong when he had the ball. You know, he, he was showing his pace. He was using his strength. I think the Spurs defenders were struggling to you know to dispossess yeah, him. There, there were a the couple time. of moments, and I've not really seen him do this, but a couple of moments where balls in the air, he managed to get round the back of the defender, win it, yeah. and then hold it up. Now, a lot said about Andre Gray's touch, but. I think compared to how Gray's such often is, it was better than normal. I, I, I thought so it was particularly odd that he came off. So he was playing well. Yeah, particularly as well when he took the ball down on his chest. And, you know, we were, we were looking to play it into him and he was taking it down. But the problem was we were playing it to him wide again. And I think I tweeted, it might have been just a couple of minutes before he came off. He took the ball down on the right-hand side and he sort of stood at his feet. He's got like four Spurs players in front of him. So obviously he's not going to try and run through all of them. And there's no support. He, he sort of had to stand there, sort of turning around the ball for a minute while eventually, you know, Matt Lawton was available. But there was no one from the midfield available to take the pass. And it just felt like we weren't supporting him at all. And and the thing is, we, I think we've banned this drum so many times this season, haven't we, that you need to get the ball to Andre Gray in the middle of the park where he's a, a goal threat, where he has a chance to shoot and, and score. Uh, and we didn't do that today, despite the fact he was, he was playing strongly. And rather than maybe change tactics up to enable that, you know, maybe bring the four on and in, improve the quality of ball to him. Since you know, I think both Barton and Hendrick were having a bit of an off day, we went to take him off instead. Um, and it just really didn't feel like playing to either our strengths all the time because Andre Gray obviously is a strength, I think, consistently for us, but not playing to the, the strengths we were showing on the day of the game, which was that Andre was clearly having a, a good game, feeling strong and, and could probably beat the defenders. Um, so instead of bringing someone on to enable him to do that, we, we, we took him off. It just really didn't feel like we were playing to a, you know any sort of resemblance of our strengths. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just don't understand how Dash thinks we're going to score a goal with that front four. It's just not going to happen. Um, we might as well continue to complain about substitutions, Kev. Stephen DeFore, I think everyone who listens to the podcast knows that we're all big fans of Stephen DeFore. To bring him on at, immediately after the second goal, it's almost a slap in the face. The game's lost at that point. Put him on for 10 minutes. What's the point? There isn't one. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure um, he came straight on and fouled someone, which to me was a clear indication of how frustrated he was. Uh, we know about his fitness issues, but he must have more than 10 minutes in his legs. I can only assume that Dice thought the game's over. Um, I'll give him some game time to get fit. Um, well, when there's no, there's no kind of risk in the game. I've been told that he was um, ready to come on before the goal went in, but this has happened a couple of times under Dice. You get subs ready, and then they stand there. Yeah. And then the team um, scores. <laughs> it's like, make the sub. And even even when you put aside uh, the timing of his introduction, he he's he's on the wing again. Um, you've got this fantastic central midfielder who's been so effective for effective for us uh, through the middle uh, in the early part of the season, and we're playing him out wide where he's not effective. You know, he's 
he's he's he's shown a few touches here and there because um, he's got undoubted quality. And when he's got on the ball, you know, he can he can he can move the ball in some fantastic ways. But he's not got the the physicality. He's not got the understanding. He's not got the kind of inclination. Really, he's not. He's just not a winger. The way he fits into the team, it doesn't suit him, and it doesn't suit the team when he's out wide for me. Um, and I just think we've got with such a talented player and we, we just don't play to his strengths at all when, when it's just a waste of his talent I think when he's out on the wing um, so it's 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 how many how many hands do you need to count the number of um, number of things we're disappointed with about the the way the team was set up and the, the way that the team was changed um, throughout today it's, it was really disappointing but on the flip side you know it is although it was too late for what we'd have preferred and it's in the, the wrong part of the field. It is very fantastic to see him uh, see him back in the field, getting feeling back on the pitch and playing Premier League football for Burnley again. And hopefully we can see a lot, a lot, a lot, lot more of him um, for the last few games of the campaign. Yeah, well, games are running out now and I think it's um, received wisdom, shall we say, that Defoe's probably going to move on. Um, in mm-hmm. summer. So, yeah, and probably to add to that. Much- of him as possible. What, what are the chances of Andre Gray moving in the summer? Well, exactly. you know, I, very likely. If he's going to get that service and then get brought off, I, if it, you are, it looks like he was blamed for us not scoring a goal when he was the only person going to score a goal. The thing is, well, I saw a few people complain that he, uh, he threw his jacket down when he got to the bench. Yeah, and this was after people um, were saying he must be you injured. Want there's him no to, way. Yeah. yeah, there's no way you're not bringing I'd, him off. I'd be doing a lot more than throwing a jacket. Andre Gray, I'd be having a, a proper tantrum. I'd be on the floor. Battery. Andre Gray can't do anything right though with Burnley fans. I will never understand this. It's unbelievable. He cannot win with Burnley fans. I don't get it. I'd have been, I'd have been flipping cool boxes and everything. (laughs) Drinks and ice everywhere. Spurs player flipped a cool box, but I think that was a bit of an accident. Very, very, very specific that bird. Oh no, you just make a scene, aren't you? The big water all over the bench. (laughs) It'd be carnage. It'd be like a. I'd have gone to the pub. Do a Kevin McDonald. Go to the, go to the pub. BK shirt would be ripped off. I, it was just, you know, but I think you want to see that. You want to see him throw his coat down. He's not happy he's been taken off because yeah. he felt he could score. It's like, um, yeah, Sanchez at Arsenal, people say it's because he's, he's not playing for the team. No, it's because he's desperate to win. And he's the only player in the Arsenal squad who is desperate to win. So when they're not winning, he wants to get his own way, which is to win. Yeah, exactly. Can I maybe throw a spot? Not throw a spot in the way it's here, but this might be slightly controversial, so I expect a barrage of abuse if I get it, but... No, 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 no. can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Disgrace. With, with that in mind, do we believe Do we believe that the morale among the squad and this togetherness among the squad is as big and as strong as Deitch makes it out to be with things like that? That's people always say, isn't it? Like, I remember um, a couple of years ago, I can't believe I've had the chance to bring up Junior Stanislaus on the podcast. It's been ages. <laughs> but he made a point of... of You're welcome, Smith. <laughs> Thanks. I'll pay you later. He made a point of saying players like Junior who were on the bench most of the time, that they were still really active participants in the group and still being really upbeat and playing an active part. And <sighs> I just wonder if, if the equivalent, which is Brady at the moment, would feel the same way because... He's just come back from captaining his country for the first time. Played pretty well. Got the Man of the Match award in the Iceland game, which I saw. He didn't play that well, but he got the Man of the Match award. And then he comes back and he's on the bench and gets 15 minutes on the wrong wing. It just... It seems perverse to me. don't know, but then you see, you see Dariqua, who very 
very borderline squad player, isn't he? He he carpools with Andre. <laughs> I saw something on Twitter earlier about Joey Barton not being able to get into the car park, which I thought was like, why why are we so desperate to make Barton feel un, not at home? Like we didn't give him a medal. Man, explain now his he's performance not, today. Not being allowed to park at the ground. <laughs> Oh, nothing can be as good as that. Was it the Express story the other day when it said basically oh, Joey Bottom might play for the rest story. of the season because he's not been banned <laughs> yeah. yet? I know. Uh, Daily Ex- let's clarify the Daily Express, not the Burnley Express. I don't think the Burnley Express would plumb those depths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was particularly rubbish. Um, to to bring it back to the game itself, um, Natalie, on the on the was face a game. Of it, there was a game apparently. Um, on the face of it, losing two 0 to Spurs are a very good team. It's it's not that disappointing. It's it's the manner of the defeat and the way Burnley didn't really mm. respond in the second half. And also, I would argue, the fact that they had a few players missing. Harry Kane wasn't there. Both of their regular full-back wing-backs weren't playing, Rosen Walker. They lost Wanyama in the first half. Dembele only came off the bench. So, like, half of their strongest team wasn't there. And we didn't really ever look like taking advantage of that. These are the games that we don't expect to get anything from and they are bonus points and they're the kind of bonus points that we've been picking up at home. And quite frankly, it was the worst possible team we could have faced at Turf Moor following that very long away spell. It was really, it just, it would have been nice to have played one of the um, easier, I know there's not that many, but one of the easier games in the division just to get ourselves warmed back into uh, Turf Moor life. Saying that, um, we uh, didn't make it any easier for ourselves. We really didn't. We um, we just gifted it to them, and, and I think that's the, that's a disappointing thing. I think how many times you see? Well, we can pinpoint instances this season where we have not taken advantage of being proactive enough. And I'm thinking the ten men down away at, at um, down away, sorry, ten way all the way uh, away at Manchester City. We didn't take advantage of that. Um, the Liverpool side, we who were playing very poor and low, low in confidence, uh, Anfield, we didn't take an, uh, you know advantage of that. A Sunderland side who couldn't buy a win, we couldn't take advantage and get our first West away Ham win. West Ham away when they were terrible. West Ham away, yeah. exactly. And it's it's things like this where we've just not been ruthless enough. And I do worry sometimes that we're just being too nice and we're being too naive again in this division um and i think just the last point today for me that that was irritating was um just the manner in which we absolutely collapsed when the goal went in we was obviously a bit out of sorts when gray went off anyway but then when that goal went in they just they just went to pieces and they did not recover and that's uncharacteristic of us um but then saying that you know let's look on the bright side then let's look at it and say well you know what yeah it's annoying that we did that and it's annoying that um we gifted them a a win but i'd rather do that if we're going to have an off day and we're all going to get it wrong from management right the way down to players i'd rather do that against a side like spurs at home that let's be frank even if we had all of the best players on we had those substitutions that we wanted we could very well still have, have got beat or at least you know maybe got a point but we probably would have still got beat i'd rather that those mistakes happened against the size like spurs than things like stoke on tuesday which is becoming a really important game or away at middlesbrough where we need to pick these points up so let's write it off as well we were never going to get anything anyway but i think i will i'm going to i'm not not going to panic because i think we're still in a, a strong-ish position for now it's at least in our own hands um i'm not going to worry about it until i'm going to see where we are after stoke on tuesday because it's going to go one of two ways on tuesday there is a potential that if results go against us on tuesday and we lose at home to stoke we can be two points clear of relegation which will just be horrendous um 
but there's another chance that we could win at home, results go for us, and we can get a nice eight point, nine point cushion again. So I don't think there's much to worry about until Tuesday, but that is going to be a key night, I think. Yeah, I think as, as soon as we didn't win at Sunderland, there was going to be a lot of pressure on the Stoke game. The fixtures that we've got coming up are quite tough. We're playing teams that are scrapping for points in most of our games that are left. Um, I think, and also um, Palace and Swansea were directly below us. They've got a game in hand on us as well, haven't they? So, um, yeah, I don't think it's looking particularly positive at the moment. But we only need to finish seventeenth. We've said that, and when we, we have this big we gap, but my my concern now is that a few weeks ago we were looking up the league and going, "Look, yeah. how high could we finish?" And now we're, we're not. now going, yeah. "We only need to finish seventeenth." We don't, and we're getting closer to seventeenth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I can't remember who it was. Somebody on Twitter said. Um, the five-point gap we've got is relatively comfortable, but what's not comfortable is how much that has reduced yeah. um, I mean, it in was the last 10, few weeks. Like, it was ten yeah. a couple of games ago, wasn't it? So, but we have got a, we've got a more comfortable out of all of the teams around us. Our last eight games is actually relatively comfortable. It could be a lot worse. We've pretty much now played, apart from United, we've pretty much played all of the top sides. So all of the games now are winnable. It's not horrendous. Like Middlesbrough and Hull have got some absolutely shocking, shocking. Like, if you, you, you assume that Sunderland's do down, like, Palace won at Chelsea. So you never know what this stage is. Yeah, just, you just don't. depends. Do happen. The thing is, it just depends on when we keep our best players on the pitch, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> that point does remain guys i mean i think i think that's the thing and i know it's predominantly in our own hands but we are now assuming that all of these teams below us are all going to start winning all of their games like i say if we assume that sunderland are down hull and middlesbrough have both got to play five or six of the top six sides between now and the end of the season so they're hardly going to pick up that many points and all we need is two wins out of our remaining fixtures which is very doable and we're safe so i think that's perspective there's a, there's a Borough fan at work and he's been adamant for weeks now. He says he looks at their running and he just thinks they've not got a cutting house chance of yeah, staying up. Yeah, said the same. Yeah. Um, they play Swansea tomorrow and I think more people... We could do Swansea with a Swansea tomorrow, win, yeah. mate. We could do with a Swansea win, actually. I think that'd be the but, best result for us. Or even better, if we could beat them ourselves away from home. That'd be nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but for me, oh, the really you. concerning thing is that obviously a few weeks ago now, uh, you know, I looked at the numbers and it was like only one team had ever been relegated from a stronger position than we were in. And that was Sheffield United. That was like the only team in the history of the Premier League. And we could be about to become the second. Uh, oh, like, would that not be the, the most burnly thing ever if we managed to drop down to to sort of that it's level? It's not going to happen. I, I'm sorry, I'm I'm still... I know it's worrying times and I know it's twitchy times and I know we're not doing ourselves any favours here, but putting everything into context and looking at the remaining fixtures and looking at the number of teams below us and their fixtures as well, I still think we've done enough. Even if we only had, I think we'll only finish in 18th. Um, uh, sorry, not 18th, sorry. I did this at the beginning of the season when I was trying to predict when we were finishing. Yeah. I think, think we're going to be fine. We're going to finish we're 18th. Fine. 18th. That's not fine. I think we'll finish like 16th, <laughs> maybe 16th. I still think we will, but and I think that's probably where we realistically should be with our performances this season. I, I think we're going to be all right, guys. I, I think it's right to be concerned, but I still think we'll be all right. If you go back and look at games, I think actually we've dropped points in some games we shouldn't have done. So really, if we finish in that position, I'd be a little bit disappointed. And obviously, I'd be pleased to stay up, but when you looked at the season as a whole and what we've done, I'd be a little bit disappointed. 
I look at the table now, to be honest, and I'm still annoyed at the Sunderland game, like, two weeks later. We didn't make enough of an effort to win that game, and if we had, we'd be, like, four places higher up the league. We'd be level on points to be 10th, and no one would be thinking about relegation. And I think from the biggest concern, really, is that Tuesday now is such a monumental, huge game. Uh, we need at least a point out of it. If we don't get a point out of it, we really have been sucked back into the battle. From being in a really comfortable position, we'll be right back in it. And Stoke aren't, you know, a, a pushover. It's going to be a tough, really tough game on Tuesday night. And but we need to get something out of it. And to do that, I think tactically we need to be a lot cleverer than we've been in recent weeks. I mean, you look at the Sunderland game, and I think it's tactics that have meant we've not got anything out of it. You know, you've gone to a team that just so dejected and you know my dad said to me earlier today he said when the final whistle went and they had you know they hadn't won just the air of the place was like you know we're down they saw that as a, a key game to win in order to stay up so we really should have been taking advantage of that and going there and taking three points yeah absolutely. But we, we didn't go and try and kill the game and then today we've played Spurs and fair enough Spurs huge team there's no doubt in that they are one of the best teams we've seen at the test. I've seen some people say they were the best. I still think Chelsea are a class above, and obviously the table reflects that. But a very, very good team, and they play a very, you know, attacking formation as well. The way they play, it's, it's not difficult to play. It's not easy to play against. But I thought for the first forty-five minutes, we more than matched them. You know, yes, seven. they should have scored through Deli Ali. He missed it absolutely. <laughs> he should. We should have. You know, we should have been matching them. But then, instead of pushing on and looking at how we could, you know, steal a goal or you know kill the game off in our favour, we seemed to make changes that, to me, said we were playing for a draw. And I think the quote that came out of the press conference that that Ford tweeted was, "What he, he took Gray off to be more robust after stretching the game." To me, being more robust sounds like we want to try and win everything in the air and basically shut the game down. Not, we want to go and score. Last thing on this, Kev, I'm sure we'll come on to the Stoke game in more detail, but the, the the worry for me is that we'll set up in the same way for that game. And yeah. we, we, won't, we won't do anything different. We'll just try and keep it tight and try and nick a goal somehow. Yeah, I think, I think uh, very quickly, I think, you know, what, I think one of the positives we've had at home this season is that playing without a freedom, uh, with, a, with a lot of freedom. Um, and yeah, there is a concern that when we play Stoke this time, uh, when we play this game, there might be a bit more pressure on us um, after the last few results. But going on to the team for that and the way we set up, I think there was one of two two options, two possibilities. I think one uh, will stay exactly the same, which to be honest, I think is is the most likely. I'm I'm fairly certain that we will be ex- set up be the exact same lineup, the exact same um, approach to the game. Um, but on the other hand, I would not be surprised at all if we went back to four five one and dropped um dropped Andre Gray um and maybe uh, use that as an opportunity to bring Robbie Brady in, um or even like this less as Stephen DeFore or, or whatever he does. Um I wouldn't be at all surprised to see that happen. I think there's a very good chance that happened, particularly after a string of results um, playing playing four four two when we've oh no albeit a lot of us have been away from home we've still it's a long time now since we've won and the fact that when we played four five one earlier in the season it was very successful we got it was probably our, one of our best spells um, spells of the season while we're playing that formation and 
then on top of that, we've we've dashed today talking about wanting to be, to be robust, and we've talked maybe he, he's not got that confidence uh, so much at the moment. So, I I I do think that he will stick with the the, the exact same line, the exact same approach, but. That there's a part of me that thinks he, he could go back to that four 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 five one, which actually wouldn't be too much of a bad thing. I, I don't think. I think oh, I'd, I'd I'd like to see Graham on the field. I think he's our, our biggest threat. But the, the four five one did work very well. I think when you're playing that that formation, it, it allows you to have a bit more creativity. You've got the likes of Defoe um, uh, and be able to bring Brady in and gives them a little more freedom to to go forward and attack. Uh, than they would do in the in the four four two. So it will be. It's a big. It's going to be interesting to see what see what happens. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk more about Stoke and formations and the options that are available to Dice. But um, you're right. And I think a lot of people weirdly would probably welcome a return to four five one. And you wouldn't have said that Burnley fans would want us to play one up front very often. Um, so that's certainly an interesting one. We'll wrap up discussion of the game there for now, though, and. Let's go to Natalie for this week's Tweet of the Week. If we can say Tweet of the Week. 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 Indeed. And I have been practising this week. Just to make sure I don't start making up any more words or any more phrases or anything else blatantly ridiculous. So this week's Tweet of the week. Yes! <laughs> I actually got really nervous. Hey, hey. <laughs> Can you imagine after that explanation if I'd have said something else? Like I was talking to my other half and I was trying to explain to him that I was having problems saying my feature. And I even said to him, said, I can't, I can't, I'm having real problems saying uh, Tweet of the Peach. And I was like, no, Tweet of the Week. I said, for goodness sake. <laughs> anyway, we're sticking with today's game for this week's Tweet of the Week. And it comes from Chris McDonald, who sends quite a nice little um, summary of all the points that we've raised. Um, it's not got a photo, but it has got some visuals. So I think after each question mark, if you picture the thinking emoji, um, and obviously you'll get the visual when we tweet this out, but it's Chris McDonald who says, Brady on the right, question mark, Defoe on the wing, question mark, Boyd off but Arfield left on, question mark, and finally, Gray dragged off with 35 minutes left question mark and I think that just summed up just the sheer confusion that everybody was feeling and, and to be honest um, I had a, a very healthy um, bank of tweets for this week's tweet of the week and all of them were very much on the similar lines of um, just substitutions and the lack of, of grey which which caused people to be somewhat perplexed this week so thank you all for your tweets thank you all for your three word match summaries which were um, pretty much along the lines of Subs were terrible. I think that's pretty much the, the, theme, <laughs> the theme of it. They were all. Did something happen with Andrew Gray today? Apparently so. Yes, apparently so. Um, I did see one. I did see actually one three-word match report that said the Brady Bunch, which did make me laugh quite a lot. But, but yeah, thank you for all your tweets, guys. Keep them coming, and thank you very much to Chris for this week's tweet of the week. I think um, actually my three-word match report would be thinking face emoji. <laughs> sums it up you know quite what? instead of that a podcast we should just put a big thinking face emoji <laughs> on the website and then next week just go what was that <laughs> I really hope if Rick's, uh, Rick who does our artworks listening to this and that's our graphic for this week's podcast just to know, be uh, do us a thinking face emoji <laughs> thanks Rick um, mention of Rick actually I was going to do this at the end of the podcast but it's jogged my memory, and Kevin, I'm going to put you on the spot, but this week, we finally confirmed the Known and Ever live event. 
that we pledged as part of our Kickstarter. Would you do the honours and give everyone a quick breakdown what it is, where it is, when it is, what it is, why it is, why they should come and how they should come? Well, uh, I think... (laughs) I think I, I think Sean sales. Dice. <laughs> I think Sean Dice has already done a very good job of giving Zola a breakdown. Um, but yeah, <laughs> mental health bands. <laughs> this is this is very exciting. Um, this is we've um, for some reason you all you guys pledged enough money for us um, over winter for us to do a live podcast event. You wanted to come and see us in person doing a speaking actual words. Yeah, I don't know if physically. you've realised what you've let yourself in for. We're not a pretty bunch, let's be honest. Yeah, the podcast can be a bit of a farce, uh, even when we've got Adam editing out the worst bits. So this is going to be like, it's going to be like the morning, none of the podcast that you can see us and you'll be able to hear all the ridiculous stuff that Adam usually gets rid of. Yeah. Um, you've got to realise that like the best bit of the podcast is in the editing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Between us, Jamie, we're doing really good at marketing here, aren't we? Yeah, so anyway, uh... how, how do people come to this brilliant event? <laughs> yes. It's going to be so great. Um, so yeah, so we'll be doing our first ever uh, live interactive podcast event um, on the 6th of May, uh, about half six, which is um, after the West Brom game at Turf Moor. So we'd really love to see you there. Thank you so much to um, to Burnley Football Club and and Darren and Doug and um, somebody else who's <laughs> never forgotten. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, that's um, getting kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natasha, yes, Natasha. Sorry, Natasha. sorry, Natasha. Uh, but yeah, thanks to thanks to everyone at Burnley who's helped us get uh, a room at the Turf Moor. Um, the Turf for, Moor. For the podcast. <laughs> the Turf Moor. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Um, get your tickets for our events at the Turf Moor. Um, the, the link to, to sort that will be in the show notes. It's free, um, but you can get a VIP pass, which gets you various stuff. There's going to be a print. That's it. That's why I got reminded when you, you said, Rick, there'll be a special artwork print from Rick part of the vip package there'll be refreshments and stuff as well you can come and hang out with us for a bit after the game it's half six after the west brom game so you've got time to go and get a drink or get some food or whatever then come and spend an hour or so with us and i'm sure we'll remind you about this um multiple times a gazillion times (laughs) before it comes but i think uh 20 odd 30 people have already bought their tickets so if you are thinking of coming don't hang around because tickets are limited there's only a set number of places. So, um, yeah, ask your friends. It's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited. Like, <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say I am a little bit nervous about this, especially as, as obviously, the, the polished podcast that goes out that's been heavily edited is, is what our listeners are used to seeing, and I think they're going to see live hands as the chaos that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, it's it's going to be weird to have people watching us. I normally sit like staring at a wall on podcasts. What, if we, get, what be... if we get heckled? What we if get heckled. our point? We might get heckled. Well, I, I think we get um, hopefully we'll have someone on hand to act as security muscle. <laughs> any any heckles will be dealt with. <laughs> I, I hope someone brings a dog to bark at us. <laughs> oh god! Oh, it's going to be chaos. I can tell. Exciting podcast reference there from James. Or a recording of the do- a dog barking. <laughs> if you remember when James got barked at by a dog and you were a true <laughs> podcast fan, that was in the very early days. I hope everyone's <laughs> to walk out after 57 minutes. <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> it's not going to be longer than 57 minutes. <laughs> that, that would be the end of it, so that'd be fine. <laughs> you can walk out after 57 minutes. We're hopeful to get a special guest as well, so we'll announce that whenever it's done. <laughs> and also, while we're on the topic of the Kickstarter, one of the other um, goals, sorry, was to interview a club legend. Um, and that is being sorted. I'm going to be doing that this week, so that will also be online in the next couple of weeks, and I'll probably make sure that there's a chance for people to submit questions, so look out on Twitter for that as well. Um, I think we've plugged podcast stuff enough now, so we can probably get back to doing the rest of the podcast. Um, the Stoke game, Natalie, we've talked about a bit already, but so much pressure on that game. Now, with the run we've been on, and I think looking at the fixtures that are left, Stoke at home is probably one that you'd look at as a really big opportunity to get three points. Mm. Yes, <laughs> we'd certainly hope so. And I think I think, don't think there's anything to fear from the Stoke game. I think they are going to be a difficult side. They're about four points ahead of us um, now. Uh, but it's those, we, we said earlier on in the season that we've got really good this season at turning defeats into draws and draws into win against some of those trickier mid-table sides. And we've already beaten at turf this season um, the likes of Everton and Southampton and uh, who else have we beaten in that category? Bournemouth. And, you know, so in that sense, we've or Leicester as well and teams like that. So Stoker in that bracket of very well-established, very confident Premier League sides who are not going to get dragged into a relegation battle. And at some point, they're going to start um, building a squad that's going to compete for a European top six side but we've already beaten a significant number of those sides this season at home so I don't think we've got anything to worry about what I am worried about in literally initially is just getting that confidence back we've lost a little bit of our I said I said it before when talking about Dice, we've lost a bit of our swagger at home and today we started well enough at home but as soon as they scored we lost our confidence straight away so I think for me the success of Tuesday is 100% down to these players being in the right attitude right from the go and they need to have their attacking boots on they need to not play for a nil-nil draw Sean Dyche I'm talking to you because um, we, we all know to... Sean Dyche as a listener <laughs> well I think he might do actually I think he might do I, I, think... I might send he him this he doesn't him. pay any attention <laughs> no Jamie, when did anybody ever pay any attention to anything we say on the That's podcast? True. Maybe he's doing it to spite us. If had been listening to the podcast, uh, we would have been putting through balls down the middle to Andrea Gray about five months ago. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, so I think, I think, like I said, the, the success on Tuesday is 100% down to the mental attitude. Dyche has got a big challenge on his hands now from his man management. He needs to put right what went wrong. And I think what I would like to see is for them to sort of get their tactics right straight away. Um, and what I'd like him to sort of see is just to instill that confidence back in those players and just just I don't understand why we've started trying to walk the ball into the back of the net there was a really good chance in the first half today when um, there was some really lovely football being played around the box and we, we opened up their defence and really nearly went for it and there's three players in the box looking at goal and every, nobody just shot just nobody put a shot out everybody was just like passed it to each other and it's like they don't want the ball in the box and, and I, we can't do that on Tuesday we have to almost shoot whenever we're in that the vicinity of the goal it doesn't matter if you're going to try from a distance it doesn't matter if you're going to miss just at least start shooting again I'd rather that you did 10 shots on goal and miss all 10 than just not have any at all because at least we're trying um, was, so I think that's the thing for me there was a point earlier in the season I think maybe like a third of the way through the season where I think we'd scored the say I think we'd scored either joint top or second uh, number of goals from outside the area 
in the Premier League this season um, or percentage of goals or something like that. Um, because I think that's what we were doing earlier in the season. You know, we we scored quite a few goals from just just taking that opportunity and just going for it. Um, so I, I don't know if there's anything changed there, but it could it'd be good to see us try kind of trying that a bit more. Yeah, I can't remember that many to be honest. But I think one of, one of the problems is the four in midfield. They're just not that much of a goal threat. Obviously, Henrik scored that amazing goal against Bournemouth, but. Let's be honest, from what we've seen of Hendry, that seems like a bit of a one-off. It's not the sort of thing he's going to do all the time. Um, Joey, as much as I love Joey and he's a threat from set pieces, he's not scored many from open play for us. I can only think of a couple. I think one at MK Dons last season, um, which doesn't count because they were terrible. Um, And Arfield and Boyd, they they can chip in, but they're not really regular goal scorers in the Premier League. So I think shots from distance, we just don't really have that in our locker, which is maybe one of the reasons that we should think about Defoe and Brady to come in. Um, James Kev mentioned the option to go back to 4-5-1. I'd be in favour of this as long as it's Defoe and Brady coming in. And also, I think, if we're going to play 4-5-1, I think the only striker we've got that can do that is Sam Volks. Potentially. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Andre Gray up front on his own, to be honest, as long as what we're actually looking to do is play the ball into the middle for him. You know, I think that's the key thing. It depends how far up as well you have your your wingers. I know we used to play a few years ago, didn't we? Five in the in midfield, but the two wingers were actually normally strikers just playing wide. Um, or one was a striker playing wide and the other was um, you know, an actual winger. Like when Wade Elliott played on the right and we'd have like Robbie Blake or uh, I think at one point Carl Lafferty was like out on the left. Something like that, but for me the problem is I just I just don't feel like we we'd know how to use some of our players in the right position anymore. Like you know, before last couple of times he's played, he's played out on the left. Is that does Dash now see him as not playing in this or something? I, I'm I'm a bit confused at sort of like what the logic is behind some of this stuff. And um, the problem with going back to four five one and and playing Brooks up top is that I think. Where's Volks' confidence at now? I think that's really going to be key. Obviously, Andre clearly still thinks he can score goals. Um, and everyone knows that so much of being a striker in the Premier League is just confidence. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, when we were playing 4-5-1 on Volks up front, I was worried about where the goals were going to come from. But Volks seemed to do OK. He wasn't scoring loads, but he was getting the odd one. And I think more importantly, it just... We seem to get more players up in support when we've got that four five one. Hendrick's got a bit more license. Um I think when we were playing the four five one, Hendrick was pretty much playing off Volks almost as a number ten, as a second striker at times. So I think if if we were to think about that and then put DeFore in the side, put Brady in the side, I think then there's there's real creativity and there's also a goal threat as well with Brady. DeFore's got goal threat. And Hendrick, if you're getting further up the pitch, maybe as well. So it's, it's, I don't think it's just taking Gray's goals away. I think it's freeing up other people to be more of a goal threat. But it'd be a big call. I mean, Gray's the only player that's all that scoring for us recently. And Kevin, he's the one that we're talking about leaving out. It, he is, yeah. Um, and usually, it's a, it's a weird one because usually that'd just be... On, on paper, it sounds like a bizarre suggestion. It just sounds very strange. But I think it is a very 
it's a very dice, very dice moving. But he's a strange player. Is is Andre Green a Sean Dice team? Because he's, he's almost is not a very Sean Dice player. I don't think he's he's you know he will kind of despite what some fans will say, he will run about a bit. He's quite he's not very strong. Um, he's not kind of going to hold the ball up too much. He's not kind of one of those players who's a, a big bulky and he's going to kind of bully players that way. Um, so when you've got the likes of kind of Sam Vokes or, or someone else up there by themselves, that's a much more, I think what Sean Dice is probably a bit more comfortable with. Uh, and the way that Sean's, the, the system we played, um, what Sean Dice played in the 4-5-1, that worked very well. Um, and actually, you know, there is an argument for doing that and then what the impact that Andrea Gray can can have coming off the bench with, um, you know, like half an hour ago or so to go, um, he, you know, he's 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 very energetic. He, he runs defenders uh, ragged and makes them very tired. So if he, he can come on um, against defenders who are already um, quite tired, then there's an argument for um, the impact that will have. And that's not something we really saw previously. Uh, when we played 4-5-1 last time, first half of that spell he was um, suspended and the second half he was quite low on confidence he wasn't kind of in that right place um, so we never really saw that opportunity for him to come on and, and have that impact from the bench so it would be interesting to if we do go to the 4-5-1 with um, with Vokes um, up, up front by himself it would be interesting now to see a bit more of a um, a, a normal grey uh, for want of a better way of putting it um Seeing if if bringing him off the bench with some time to go can have that that impact, what you'd think it could have. Well put, <laughs> so bundled too close there. Um, Natalie, not not so much. What do you think Dice will do? What would you like to see on Tuesday? Not just a more positive approach, but in terms of uh, shape and team selection. Hmm. Um, I wondered whether um, we, we we talked about. Four five one, and we've talked about the possibility of going back to that, um, especially as this four four two has not been working, and we've worried about personnel. Um, I was debating earlier, but I, I just don't think this gives us that many options of putting Defoe in the middle with Hendrick and Barton, putting Brady on the left and Boyd on the right, and trying i know you guys disagree with this but trying gray up front as a lone striker on the basis that if, if really is struggling on his own then you can look at maybe bringing sam on instead so we have got a possibility to go for a 4-5-1 um because i think having brady and hendrick and defoe in the middle can provide some um support and some creativity for gray and some balls at least for him to run on to um i, I can't I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't thought about that in enough depth to consider whether that will work or not. So let's assume that he's not going to do a particularly radical change in formation or he's not going to go completely. Um, (laughs) Apart from take off your best player after 57 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's going to run with that, isn't it? Um, Let's assume then that he sticks with his 4-4-2 and he doesn't do anything particularly drastic. I think he absolutely has to start Brady. Um, I would really like him because I think he is for me he's just dropped him too quickly he really hasn't given him a chance he's just he's just not given him enough opportunity to get better and he's only going to do that with time on the pitch and if he's going to bring him on with on the right hand side with 10 minutes to go that's not going to do yeah, anybody was, any favors so I think earlier wasn't there about Brady having to earn his place but 
if you flip that round, what are Boyd and Arfield doing to earn their place in the minute? Exactly. It's, it exactly. seems like Brady's being yeah, I agree. a different standard, which is yeah. unfair. And when, you, when you bring him on, shouldn't you Playing give him the right opportunity place. in his yeah, actual exactly. position in to win his position? position. Sure. Um, so I think that's a fundamental one for me. And you know what? If, and, just, and I'd like to see him being brave with that and just, just giving him that opportunity. And I think if he shows that trust in him and he shows that faith and puts him in his right position I think you'll get the most out of, of Brady I think it'll work um, and I also if he's going to go four four two, he's got to start Graham Vokes I think Barnes needs to be dropped to the bench so I think if he's if he's not going to do too many changes those are the main two changes that I'd like to see I think although the grey up front by itself hasn't worked previously I, I'm not I, I would be interested to see what, what we could do with that but I think with the importance of, of what this store game has now become. Home, have we? Um, we try it away? No. No, but I, I'd, be, I'd be quite concerned about us trying something very different. Um, well, not very different, but something yeah. different in, the, in the that main, respect. One of the main arguments, really, for four five one with Volks is just that it worked earlier in the season. We know that it's tactics that can get wins. Yeah, yeah. and if it's, early, you know, if, if it's earlier in the season, if it's against the team, it's not that pressure. But this is now a, become a, a high-pressure game as a lot of... There's a lot of riding on this game for us now, so if we, if, if I don't think it's, if, I don't think it's the right game to be experimenting in. I'm not sure if we're going to get a podcast out before the Middlesbrough game yet, so we should probably at least touch on that. Um, I was, Natalie, I was going to say it's a, another chance to get that away win, but we couldn't win at Sunderland, so I've, I've oh, no, got very little up. confidence that up. we can go and win at Middlesbrough. No, that was the game. Sunderland away yeah, was I'm the game. I'm resigned to the fact that we're not going to win away all season. No, we're not. I think I think a point away at Middlesbrough is more than achievable, especially as as then. I mean, on paper that looks like a nil nil all over it, doesn't it? Like they're not scoring goals, we're not scoring goals. They my only concern with it is that they're at home and they're in they're in a relegation fight, but they're not struggling as quite as much as Sunderland. So they, you know, if they can club a couple of wins together, they may just get out of it and at least put some pressure yeah, on the, the teams around us, including game on us. That game might yeah. have happened before. Uh, the podcast gets out, but yeah, if, if they lose at Swansea, then they're in massive trouble. But if they get something there, then they'll be a lot more positive. So basically, exactly. <laughs> what happens at Middlesbrough very much depends on the two games that they've got before that match. Great. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And it also depends on how we do as well. I, I do worry. I feel like if we can get a win at Stoke on Tuesday, I think the game, the pressure's off. Not yeah, off completely, releases, but I think that confidence will be back. It, yeah. I mean. yeah, it sounds really sensationalism, but I really worry that if we get beat on Tuesday, we may very well get beat on Saturday. Well, as well. If that happens, then and we we're just going to. Like, oh my not god! Don't next week. I'm not recording it. I'm, I'm <laughs> quitting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do predictions, Kevin. Over to you for the predictions league. I noticed today we were looking at the the spreadsheet. Natalie has not predicted a Burnley defeat yet. So all the talk about Natalie no, being and too this is negative. Not a bad thing. So much for Negley. No, no. Never predicted a defeat. And what's exactly. I'm so what's, not on brand. reward for this positivity, Natalie? Bottom place. I'm going to get a bottom place and a forfeit. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Everybody who t- says that we're not we're not positive enough on the podcast, <laughs> and especially on Twitter. And I'm like, well, actually, look at the predictions league. I have not once predicted us to get beat, and I'm taking one for the positive fans out there. So there you go. Similarly, James has um, predicted ten wins in a row, which is. Um... I've only I've only predicted one defeat, and that was that was that was against Arsenal. So, um, yeah, I think so. Um, 
I think the one, the one, two positives to come out of um, today's um, two defeat was that the, <laughs> the two whole positives, that two, there were two points to be added to the predictions Ooh. league table, which is the first time that has happened in like forever. Um, and even more bigger news is that one of us yes. for Jamie. This is what is... happens when I'm not on the podcast and I can like spend time thinking <sighs> about what I want to predict instead of just winging it. Yeah, so uh, true to form, James and Natalie were far too optimistic. Um, <laughs> Natalie went for a very optimistic uh, one-all draw uh, and James went for a, a, a ridiculous 2-1 win. Uh, whereas me and, <laughs> me and Jamie, um, obviously the, the most knowledgeable um, of the panel, um, factually, yes. <laughs> I um, hate this feature so much. Do you hate it we more than the one through, we haven't we done yet? <laughs> Which is the one we haven't done yet? The greatest feature. Get on with the predictions. Oh, God, yes. Do you know what? I'm, I'm signing off for a while. See you later, listeners. Um, yeah, me and Jamie both went for a, a defeat. We both uh, knew we, we both knew the Spurs were going to score two goals, but we were... Well, see, we put a 2-1 defeat, but that's because we both thought that Gray was going to last for the whole game. So Dash um, has stiffed us there. Thanks, so actually, Sean. I really think we should get the three points, because if Gray, I think we, you know, we, we could not have known that that was going to happen. I agree with um, that. I think you made a good but, um, <laughs> um, but what that means is that now I've got 18 points at the top of the table, which is now officially double um, anybody else. So I've got 18 points at the top. James is in second with nine points. Jamie, yes. one behind. You're creeping up. I don't know if you've come from nowhere. <laughs> literally um, nowhere. Literally. <laughs> but um, actually in. With literally nowhere points. still. <laughs> eight points. Uh, and Natalie last She's not even in literally points. nowhere. She's like beyond literally nowhere. <laughs> like on the map. Just on the map listening. where there's a dot that says context, literally nowhere. Um, She's past that and over the edge of the map. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what's really worrying is by the time we do the you live podcast lost, at the like, West like Brom game, I, I, yeah, I could literally be. I could have have it confirmed that I'm live. Live forfeit. We can have a live yeah, forfeit. So make sure you get your tickets. No, I, there's no forfeit. <laughs> that didn't happen. Also, just this point about Natalie's performance in context is that she's got four points from thirteen games, which is uh... <laughs> sounds, hmm, <laughs> consistent. No, Outstanding. Um, let's do predictions for Stoke, and we better do Middlesbrough as well. Um, Natalie, you can go first since it doesn't really matter what you predict, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I might just start mecking it all, well, just being like, yeah, how about don't predict win. a win? <laughs> not been going well for you. Yes, please. Well, a defeat. Well, you say this, but I genuinely bring it think, back. No, I genuinely think that, oh, do you know what? Let's really? try it. So oh, am I? Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, no. Now I'm really cut. Do you know what? I'm really cut. Don't do it. Between doing the reverse holiday and getting our wins. Stop. <laughs> Come but on. But then losing the Predictions League. Come oh, on, Natalie. Crap. This is like the bit in The Simpsons where Homer's got the evil, evil one-on-one children. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a really, really oh, bad no. feeling about this. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no. I think, yes. I think, I think confidence We're is low. Well. We are not. We're not playing well. We're not scoring goals, and I think Stoke are going to prove to be far too much for us. And I think that Burnley are going to lose two oh. nil. Um, James, do you want to bring us back to some <laughs> level of sanity after that? Yeah, I think um, Andre Gray is going to score two in the first half. Going to be on a hat trick, get removed on fifty-seven minutes, and then Stoke come back for two, 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 two draw. Kev, 
It's it's a difficult one. Um, I'm going to go for. I, I really want to be no. I, 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 my mind is working. I want <laughs> hey, the cogs. My turning. head is saying. <laughs> my head is telling me that we're going to draw one all. But do you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go out there. I'm going to I'm going to be positive. I'm going to go. We're going to get a one nil win. And it's going to be Robbie Brady. No, it's not. It's going to be Stephen Defoe in the second minute when he starts. When he starts, starts and you downed yourself immediately there. Um, I'm going to go for nil-nil because Dash is obviously desperate for a nil-nil, so maybe he'll get one. And I'm also going to go for a nil-nil at Middlesbrough. <laughs> so covering all the angles there, one of them's got to be nil-nil, right? Um, Kevin, give us a Borough pr- prediction as well. Uh, One-nil defeat. Sorry. Who are you apologising to? I'm, I'm not a player. I don't care what you bring. <laughs> Myself, everybody, the whole <laughs> James Burnley Middlesbrough community. Two-nil win. Two-nil win. And Natalie? I'm going to carry on sacrificing my points sacrificing on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I would like it on record that I was going to predict two wins for both Stoke and for Middlesbrough. I was going to think that was going to be our away win. But I'm bringing back reverse psychology just because I feel like the teams for the point are more important. Sorry, the points for the team are more important than the points for my league. So... Middlesbrough on Saturday, I've just got a really, really bad feeling. We've not won away all season. We've got three points. Middlesbrough are going to be fighting for their lives. I think we're going to get beat 3-0. No, 2-0. Imagine if this pays off now. Imagine. If it pays off, then I'm not doing a forfeit on the grounds that I got us over the line. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I sacrificed my glory. it's, It's already getting to be a long podcast, but quickly, James, fill us in on... Our second team, our official second team here on the podcast, Burton Albion, Sonell and Kylie in action. Oh. Great week. <laughs> again, again, can't record it. He did play. He came off, I think, about 60 minutes. Oh, no. It seems to be a pattern this week, isn't it? Taking your best <laughs> player off around that time. But for Marvin's mention, what an assist. Runs solo from his own half before squaring the ball for Irvine to, to score a late winner and uh, it, it looks like our uh, former boys uh, are going to keep Burton up and maybe even at the expense of Rovers which obviously is the real reason they are current hopefully, second team hopefully so I'm sure we'll check in on Burton on next week's podcast which like I say will probably be after the Borough game although we'll, we'll probably try and squeeze one in between the matches depending on what happens in the Stoke game that's it for this week Long podcast, like I say, so thanks if you managed to stick right to the end. Don't forget you've got a chance to come to our live podcast event now. Tickets are available. Um, We'll stick the link to that in the show notes on the podcast. You can also find it through social media. As usual, it's free or you can pay a few quid for a VIP ticket, which gets you a seat right down at the front so you can get a really good look at our ugly mugs. (laughs) Thanks to Rick, who provides our artwork. Adam, who edits when he can be bothered. Now he's got a job and is in that London and all that. Thanks to James, Kevin and Natalie for joining me. You can always get in touch with feedback, comments, questions, etc. Email address. As always, podcast at nonanever.net. You can tweet us at nonanevernet. But that's it this week. I've been Jamie Smith. This has been the Non and Ever podcast. Goodbye. If it was two points, but you said something, I can't remember what the second thing you said is. So, um, (laughs) Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.